right. Well, good morning, church. Again, we're going to jump right into our notes. And uh, we are in a series, part five, The Jesus I Never Knew. And um, if you have sermon notes, I invite you to grab that out. I want to jump right into today to make sure we have the time. And I know mothers, you're waiting on lunches and maybe reservations you might have or something to do. So grab your sermon notes. If you don't have sermon notes, lift your hand up high and we will bring them to you. And we're going to jump right into this um, Mother's Day talk that I feel like the Holy Spirit put in my heart to talk about. And so today I want to talk on this topic of Jesus, my healer. In this series, we're unpacking different aspects of Jesus and coming to know Jesus and his voice. We talked about his spirit. We've talked about uh, the things that he hates. And today I want to talk about Jesus, the healer, or Jesus, my healer. In our home, one of, uh, if our kids gets injured uh, or get hurt, uh, a lot of times they do not scream daddy. In fact, they rarely, if ever, scream daddy. They scream mommy, right? They do it all the time, at least in our house, because they know she's the one that's typically going to comfort them. For me and dads, if you're like me, this is the statement I say. I say, walk it off. And um, we're not even on a field, but I just say, walk it off, you know, and I got a headache, walk it off. I don't know what that means, but that's how I respond. Just walk it off. And, um, and so they know they're not going to get a lot of, you know, empathy probably from dad all the time. In fact, I was reading about this, that women tend to comfort better than men because they show more empathy, which is actually a truth. The UCLA did this study that when watching others in pain, women's brains show more empathy than men. So men, we have an opt-out card. Thanks, UCLA, for that study and um, why we say walk it off. Um, but uh, I want to show you a brief video of my son Sam about three or four years ago. We were on a roller coaster, and I just want to show you something real quick. We'll play the play a video. Watch this. cracking up. I showed Sam this morning again. I'm like, look at you, bro. That was hilarious. And anyways, it's so funny. And if you see, man, I'm cracking up the whole time. My kid's screaming. It's hilarious. Oh, man. Isn't that funny? I think it's hilarious. Some of you are judging me. That's so bad if you was a parent. Whatever. That's good, good parenting right there. Scare him. Scare him bad, you know, and laugh about it. Well, the whole time you can hear him screaming, you know, I want my mommy, 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 mommy. And let me just say this to us today. I think we often do this with God when we get hurt. We do. We, we often, when God's, uh, we're waiting on healing for something, we can find ourselves wondering if he hears us. And the whole time Sam is there and he's screaming for mom, but what he's not paying attention to is his dad is right there. I'm literally standing next to him as he's screaming for help, and the whole time, I'm right by his side. 
And I just wonder how often we find ourselves when we're in need of healing of something that we scream and we worry and are filled with fear and the whole time the Father in heaven is right by our side saying, I'm right here. You're not going anywhere. I mean, I had my arm around him. He's belted in, and yet he feels like he's going to fall out and lose his life. And the whole time, I'm like, I'm right here. I will say, uh, my wife, we, this is even better, better parenting. This is true. Uh, we put Sam back on the roller coaster right after that. He's terrified. And this time, he rode with mom. And he screamed, I want my daddy, I want my daddy, I want my daddy. Oh, man, but that was funny, too. It's a true story. We just keep putting them on roller coasters till they stop. Stop crying. We're going to do it until you stop crying. <laughs> oh, that's good. So I want to talk to you today about the waiting on healing. All right, we're going to go at this uh, the best way to honor time, like I said, I know many of you might have reservations today and plans, so I want to jump into this. So be ready to write and take notes, okay? Two hard truths of healing, because I know this is a very difficult topic, because many of you have been here, are here, or will be here in regards to healing. So I hope somehow today um, you are either encouraged, uplifted, feel supported, kind of given a tool to what do you do when you're waiting for healing, okay? So I'm talking to you about the waiting on healing. I'm waiting for healing. What do I do? All right. Two hard truths of healing. Number one, we know Jesus did heal many. Now, my Texas accent, because I'm from Texas originally, comes out. Sometimes I say heal, and people, all right, but so if I say heal, forgive me, okay? Heal. All right. Heal. My wife Gets on me about how I have my Texas accent sometimes, so there it is coming out. Matthew 14, Jesus did heal many. All right. It says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gesenaret. Uh, I don't know how you enunciate that. I should have done better at practicing this one. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to the surrounding country. People brought all their sick, so that's the highlight there to him and begged him to heal, begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak, that's his robe, and all who touched it were healed. Multiple times in the New Testament, you'll see that Jesus walked into towns, had compassion, and healed everyone. Healed them all, oftentimes. And so we know that he healed many people, okay? We know that. However, we also know that Jesus did not heal everyone, so write this down, number two. This is a hard truth. Jesus did not heal many. Let me show it to you. John chapter five, verse two. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, now highlight this, a great number, just wrap your head around this, of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. So you have a great number of disabled people. One, highlight that, who was there had been invalid for 38 years. Jesus has been on the earth, we know, for at least 33. 
around somewhere in that, maybe 30 years, okay? When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, he said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. It was believed that this body of water would help bring healing. While I am trying to get in, someone else gets down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him in verse 8, get up, pick up your mat, walk. And at once the man cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. So I want you to get this picture in your mind. Jesus saw many paralyzed people, blind people, lame people, disabled people, stepped over them, threw them, touched one, healed them, and kept moving. So not everybody got healed. The hard truth, swallow that for just a second, and I know it's a tension. So here's a question I want to think about. Is it God's will to heal everyone? And the answer to that, the best I can give you, is yes and no. Okay? So let me show it to you, why I say that to you. All right, so we're going to unpack Isaiah 53. This is probably the most often debated or highly debated verse as it relates to healing. Okay? So Isaiah 53, verse 4. Isaiah the prophet writes, Surely he, this is about Jesus, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Now here's the verse that many, many quote. But by his wounds, we are healed. Think about the ED on the past tense. I'll talk about that in just a second. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is one of those highly debated uh, passages of Scripture, often misquoted, often mistaught, I believe. The reason this debate is, is there and why people debate this is because it centers around the question. He says, by his wounds we are healed. So here's the question. Are we healed physically or spiritually by his wounds? That's where a lot of the debate lies. Is this a physical conversation or is this a spiritual conversation? When he refers to if we are healed, what's he talking about? Okay? So, some have taken this to mean that every believer has the right and the promise to perfect health. In other words, you've maybe heard this before, maybe you haven't, but it's your faith that's the issue. You know, we are healed. You just got to claim it. And then people claim it, nothing changes, and just, just don't have the faith yet. I think that's horrible teaching. How could you possibly suggest that? And they will take other passages of Scripture that it was the faith of the disciples that couldn't cast out demons and that was their problem and you don't have faith of a mustard seed and all. And he's terribly wrong and I'll show you in a minute why. So what's he getting at here? He's not talking about perfect health right now. But I told you, is it his will to heal everyone? Yes and no. I'll explain why I say that. Two key issues with healing being an issue of faith alone. 
So I'm talking to you about that statement where somebody might say, you know, it's just your faith. And I'm telling you today, if that's ever been told to you, I pray you get healed through this sermon. Okay? So, number one, it contradicts personal experience of Paul, Timothy, and so many others. Let me explain what I'm talking to you about. You follow me on this? If you ever hear the teaching, it's by faith alone. It's your faith. That's all you got to do. We are healed physically by his wounds. You just got to claim it. It's something wrong with you. I'm talking about that. Here's why I say I think that's terribly inaccurate. It's not an issue of faith alone. That's very important. Why? Because it contradicts the personal experience of Paul and Timothy and so many others. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 19 through 20. Greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household. I'm not even going to attempt that one, okay? Erastus stayed in Corinth. Now watch what he says. I left Trophimus sick. He, Paul, who writes over half of the New Testament, Anyone here would say Paul's not a man of faith? He's a bond servant of Christ. Goes to prison multiple times. Chosen by God to write half the New Testament. Would you challenge this man's faith? No. And yet Paul leaves a friend sick. Now, if he had faith, all he had to do, if it was a faith issue, was say, Healed, and he'd be healed. You think Paul would be like, sorry, I'm just not going to say it, and then I'm just going to leave it that way. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? It's not an issue of faith. If it was only an issue of faith, Paul would have healed his friend. That's why I say to you, I think it contradicts Scripture. Timothy, Paul, and so many others. Didn't Jesus say there'd be trials in this world and to his own disciples? Most of them would be beheaded and crucified or Murdered, you know? So I, it's not an issue. I think it contradicts Scripture entirely. Number two, it misinterprets the verb tense of healed. You see the word healed and you think it's past tense, so it's occurred. Well, let me explain that to you. I want you to think about this as the idea that perfect, uh, this past tense does not mean perfect health. The past tense of this verb being used, healed, is, is past tense, but it's not does not mean that it's perfect health today. And I'll explain it to you like this. We'll put a slide up on the screen, and I'm going to talk about this, about the totality of our salvation. And I'll also supplement that in just a second by the totality of our healing. So I want you to look up here on the screen. The totality of our salvation, okay? Past tense. We are saved, Ephesians 2.8. We are saved by, come on church, grace. We are saved, amen. Those who receive Christ as their Savior, Romans 10, 9, confess your mouth, Jesus Christ risen from the dead, you shall be saved. We are saved by grace. Are you saved if you're a follower of Jesus? Yes. I am saved, past tense. Wait a second. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 18. Paul writes, we are being saved. So are you saved or are you being saved? And the answer is both. I am being saved. We get this word sanctified. The first one I just mentioned to you is justified. You are justified like the act of justice in a courtroom, not guilty of your sin. You have access to heaven. You are justified. But the moment you get justified, how many all of a sudden walk in holiness and perfection and never sin ever again while you're on earth? That's not true. So you are still being saved. We call it sanctification. 
So you are being sanctified. Okay? There is a sanctification process. But then there's a future tense. We will be saved. That's what it says. That is glorification. That we will be glorified with the Father one day. That we will be saved on his second coming. There will be salvation and we will be saved and taken up to be the Father in heaven. So I want you to think about this in the area, in the context of healing. Past tense, we were healed. We are being healed and we one day will be fully healed. Do you see that? So it's, you can't just take it only in the past tense from that way that many might interpret it. We've been healed, we're being healed, and one day we will be fully healed. Key understanding, Isaiah 53 is not a promise of perfect health right now. Misteaching on that one. I hope that helps out. How do we know that? I'll show you. Taking scripture, taking two verses, and I'm going to show you how these two verses I'm using the word proves or certainly strengthens the argument of Isaiah 53 in the way that I just told you. That it's not just physical and dare I say it's not just spiritual. Let me show you this. Watch this. Okay? All right. Matthew writes in Matthew 8, 16 through 17. When evening came, many who had demon possessed were brought to him, being Jesus, and he drove out spirits with a word. We'll talk about that later. And healed all the sick. Then he quotes Isaiah 53. This is, was to fulfill what the prophet spoke. Prophet Isaiah was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So he quotes Isaiah 53. And the reference here is a physical healing that's occurred. Amen? Do you see it? Yes? Do you see the physical healing that's happening in this passage? I hope so. All right, but then if you go to 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25, look what he says. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Now, this is important. So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Then he quotes Isaiah 53, by his wounds we are healed, for you are like sheep have gone astray. By now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He takes the same passage of scripture and he writes and he uses that scripture for spiritual healing. So is Isaiah talking about physical healing or spiritual healing? And the answer is both. The answer is yes, both. So write this down. Both our physical and spiritual healing is provided for by the cross. All healing, physical and spiritual, was accomplished on the cross. The totality of it. It does not mean you have perfect health today. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay? So he's talking to both physical and spiritual. Why do I tell you that as a church? So that if everybody ever tells you, all you got to do is claim it, you are already healed. Where did you get that from? Does that make sense? So it is not just a faith issue. How many of you have ever been told that a healing that you were after was a faith issue alone? Just show your hand up high. I hope you are now healed with what's actually true, if you didn't already know. Okay, so let's unpack it. Let's keep going with this. So what do we do or what can we do while we wait for healing? Hope for healing. Pray for healing. Okay, all right. I want to give you four things that you can do while you wait for healing. And I just, again, hope this empowers you in some way and goes, okay, I, I kind of get an idea. What do I do in the meantime? If you're ever in this scenario, okay? James 5.13 
Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church, those are leaders, and let them pray over him or her, you could say, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. James says, pray. Get together and pray. Look at Acts 28, 7 through 9. There was an estate nearby that belonged Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to and to see him. So this is Paul, a man of faith, we know. And after prayer, placed his hands on him. Did you notice the key line? Look at the text. So much scripture today. Look at it. After prayer. When you pray, you are there to not tell God about your plans, because he already knows what you're going to say before you say it. Prayer is about what? Hearing what he wants to do. Yes? When you pray, it's not about how much you talk. It's about what you hear. You can talk, but it's better to go to prayer to listen. So Paul prays, he hears, and then he heals. Look, Paul prays, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, I thought that was funny, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. But Paul is used by God to heal after prayer. So number one, here's what you can do or we can do whenever we're in need of healing. We can wait together in prayer. See it clear in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 12 to the one there's given through the spirit of message of wisdom, to another message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another, watch this, plural, the plural, you could circle the word gifts, it's the plural one. Watch, gifts of healing, not a gift of healing. Did you hear me? Not a gift of healing, gifts of healing. Two different things. By that one spirit, to another miraculous powers. All these, verse 11, are the work of the one, the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. I don't want to get into a debate whether or not a person has a gift of healing. Personally, I don't think a person has a gift of healing. I think you have gifts of healing because the gift of healing isn't for you. The gift of the healing is for the one that gets healed. Did you hear what I said? When somebody needs healing and somebody prays over them to get healed, who receives the gift? The one that's distributing the gift or the one that receives the gift? What's the gift? The healing. So it's the person who receives it. So whenever that means is whenever we pray for somebody to get healed, or we got the gift of healing, they got the gift of healing. We distributed the gift of healing. We just passed down the present. The gift, the present. You know what I'm saying? Yes? Am I losing you today? Going too fast? Okay. Are we all right? Okay. Y'all know me. When you don't talk, I think, are we dead? Are we alive? Are we... So intrigued by the message, you're like, this is good. Okay, that's what I always, I always think it is just because the preaching is so good. You're like, I'm just lost in the truth. I told you I encouraged myself because David did, so I have every right to encourage myself. I want you to know this. 
healing comes from the Father as he wills. In other words, I don't think it's right to say, I have the gift of healing, come see me. If somebody says, I have the gift of healing, then why isn't everyone healed? I mean, if I had the gift of healing by myself, and I could just do it whenever I want, however I want, would there be a sick person on the planet? I hope not. But he distributes the gift as he wills through a person, which is good news, by the way. That means all of you can lay hands on somebody and have them be healed as long as you pray first and it's his will and he wants to work it through you, you have the power made available by him to heal anyone around you. That's good news. So no more opting out of, I don't have the gift of healing. Did you hear what I said? You can't opt out of that. That means every single one of you can lay hands and pray for somebody and they can be healed according to his will. That's good news. Amen? That's good news. That's good news. When we pray according to his will, he can give the gift of healing through anyone. All right, number two. Next thing you can do, we wait on his word. When you're waiting for healing, you can wait for his word. Watch this. Psalm 107. He sent out his word and healed them. Now, I can show you in the New Testament where Jesus spoke and people were healed off of his mouth and things that he spoke and things that he said. Okay? Psalm 107.20. He rescued them from the grave. I want to read a quote to you from Charles Spurgeon. All that God has to do in order to save us is send us his word. He has done that by sending his dear son, who is the incarnate word. He sends us the word in the shape of the Holy Scriptures. He sends us the word in the preaching of his servants. What we want most of all is to have the word sent home by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let me explain this to you. All God has to do to heal you is speak. It's just a word. And when you're waiting for healing, my encouragement is, let me say it that way, Lord, I'm waiting on your word. 